Hey everyone, and welcome to Theana Money, where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy Collins, the host of Theana Money. About a month before I graduated college, some friends and I got free tickets to a concert. It was a seven-hour drive from our college, but if we split the gas between the four of us, it would only be about 20 bucks each. We left shortly after lunch and got back about 5 a.m. the next morning, all very exhausted. But we did rotate drivers, two sleeping while one person drives and the last talks to keep him awake, so it wasn't too bad. We were primarily going there to see Shia Lin and Beautiful Eulogy. To this day, it is still the only time I have seen them in concert. Also performing were Jackie Hill Perry, whom I've never really gotten into, so I wasn't as excited about her as I was for Shylin and Beautiful Eulogy. And also Jimmy Needham, whom I had honestly never heard of before this concert, and I kept calling him Nick Needham on accident because I like that 2000 Years of Christ Power Church History series. Uh, which, by the way, he now has the fifth volume out, so I no longer have a complete set until I pick up the fifth volume. I say all that because this was a TGC concert, a concert part of that year's year's The Gospel Coalition conference. It's the closest I've ever come to attending a TGC conference, and by the time this happened, I was already not trusting a TGC like I had several years before. But I wanted to say all this to say that I'm not someone who always trashed The Gospel Coalition just doing so again. I am someone who, when I first became a Calvinist, had all these Calvinist friends telling me how great TGC is. So naturally, I thought they were really good because these friends I trusted said TGC was really good. At one point, I even think I had the TGC website as my homepage on my browser so if I had time in the morning, I could browse the new articles before going about whatever else I had to do that day. I even one time very naively made the comment to a friend that if the Gospel Coalition posts something on their website, I can probably trust it. So when I released this episode, or the episode on uh, TGC I released a while back, it was simply called 28 Response to TGC, or any future episodes I do responding to and critiquing things that the Gospel Coalition says about either economics or theonomy, I do it with a background of someone who used to very much like them, and their content. And now as someone who has seen through the Gospel Coalition and wants to show the things they are wrong about that relate to the primary topics of theonomy, economics, and theonomy. So in this episode, we are responding to the Gospel Coalition's article titled, American Culture is Broken. Is Theonomy the Answer? Which was written by Andrew T. Walker. If you want to follow along with me or check on what I say to make sure I'm not misrepresenting what TGC and Walker published in that article, the link is in the description of this episode. 
However, I know that most people will not take the time to follow along with me in the article as they listen to the episode. That is not a knock on you all listening. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I would not take the time to do this for any of them either. So I understand and expect that. But since most will not have the article right in front of them while listening to this episode, I plan to do a lot of reading the direct words of the article before responding to that specific point to make it easier for everyone to follow along. Also, beyond just not wanting to take the time to follow along with an article while listening to an episode, I usually listen to podcasts while doing something else, like driving or mowing the grass. And I know other people do that too, so you cannot look at something while listening to a podcast if you're doing something else at the same time. Just earlier this week, I was mowing the grass and power washing the driveway while listening to some rush duty lectures. And honestly, just as a guy, seeing how much cleaner my driveway is now than I'd ever seen it while owning the house was very nice after all the time spent doing that and catching up on some rush duty lectures while doing so. I guess catching up's the wrong word since all these lectures were done long before I was born, but you know what I mean. Before we jump into the response, just want to ask y'all that if you like the uh, episode, please share it with your friends. Share with your friends who uh, maybe read this article and thought it was great and it was a good response to theonomy. Share with your friends who like the Gospel Coalition. Share it with your friends who think theonomy is dumb and try to get the word out there about this great and biblical idea resting in the sufficiency of scripture for politics. And also, if you're interested, check out the Bonfire site linked in the description in order to uh, check out some uh, cool Theana money merch. So getting into the article, we see issues with it right from the beginning. Walker writes, Because all theonomists are implicitly reconstructionist, critiques of both Christian reconstruction and also theonomy will go hand in hand under the category theonomy. Walker confuses reconstruction and theonomy and differences between them. He says that theonomy is the more applied form of Christian reconstructionism and that all theonomists are reconstructionists. That is not true. All reconstructionists are theonomists because theonomy is one of the points of Christian reconstruction, but not all theonomists hold to all of the other points of Christian reconstruction. I'm sure that all-mill theonomists would be upset to hear TGC say that they are all post-mill just because they are theonomists, but since post-mill is a point of reconstructionism, that is what you're saying when you say that all theonomists are reconstructionists. Walker writes, What we are seeing is the rebirth of Christian reconstruction or its more applied form, theonomy. He also says, Christian reconstruction refers to the broader theological and cultural program of uniting culture more explicitly to Christian moral foundations. Theonomy, on the other hand, seeks to apply the civil law of the Mosaic Covenant to contemporary civil government. So there's a Chalcedon article. I'm dropping the link to it in the description, and it describes the points of Christian reconstruction. A Christian reconstructionist would be one who holds to no less than Calvinism, theonomy, presuppositional apologetics, postmillennialism, and dominionism. Since Christian Reconstruction is theonomy plus several other things, 
it does not make sense to say that theonomy is the more applied one of the two, nor to say that all theonomists are reconstructionists when the reverse is true. From that Chalcedon article, a Christian reconstructionist is a Calvinist. He holds to historic, orthodox, Catholic, lowercase c Catholic, Christianity, and the great reformed confessions. Notice how uh, right at the beginning they say that a uh, Reconstructionist holds to the great reform confessions. Uh, that's besides the point of this episode, though. He believes God, not man, is the center of the universe and beyond. God, not man, controls whatever comes to pass. Next point. A Christian reconstructionist is a theonomist. Theonomy means God's law. A Christian reconstructionist, reconstructionist believes God's law is found in the Bible. It has not been abolished as a standard of righteousness. It, is no, it no longer accuses the Christian since Christ bore its penalty on the cross for him. But the law is a statement of God's righteous character. It cannot change any more than God can change. God's law is used for three main purposes. And then dropping down to the third point from the article. A Christian reconstructionist is a presuppositionalist. He does not try to, quote, prove that God exists or that the Bible is true, he holds to the faith because the Bible says so, not because he can quote-unquote prove it. He does not try to convince the unconverted that the gospel is true. They already know it is true when they hear it. Fourth, a Christian reconstructionist is a post-millennialist. He believes Christ will return to earth only after the Holy Spirit has empowered the church to advance Christ's kingdom in time and history. He has faith that God's purpose is to bring all nations, though not every individual, and subjection to Christ cannot fail. And the last point from the Chalcedon article. A Christian reconstructionist is a dominionist. He takes seriously the Bible's commands to the godly to take dominion in the earth. This is the goal of the gospel and the Great Commission. The Christian reconstructionist believes the earth and all its fullness is the Lord's. There we see these five points of Reconstructionism that Chalcedon gives in that article, and theonomy is merely one of them. So theonomy is a point of Reconstructionism, not the other way around, as Walker stated. Walker points out that there are differences among those who consider themselves theonomists. He says, theonomy, which simply means God's law, is not necessarily one thing. Various strands and arguments comprise it, and proponents disagree on some matters. This is true. But if that is an argument against theonomy, I'm not sure if he meant it as that or not. Either way, that's not a good argument. Many people hold to a specific doctrine, that, and they have small disagreements with others who claim to hold to that same doctrine. If that simple fact meant a specific doctrine was wrong, then virtually every doctrine of the Christian faith would be declared wrong on that point alone. John MacArthur and Paul Washer are both cessationists. Does the fact that they have disagreements on what the term means make cessationism false? On the flip side, Bob Coughlin and NAR heretics have major disagreements over their continuationist viewpoint, but does that alone mean that continuationism is false? There were some good points made in the article that I want to point out to be fair in my critique. 
Walker admits that Theonomus makes some good points that Christians should agree with. He says, And to be clear, anyone who believes Christianity ought to believe God's law is the greatest law against which everything else is measured. Moreover, everybody, Christian or not, is living according to some ultimate authority. Theonomists are right to point out the inescapability of authority and to criticize the, quote, myth of neutrality that smuggles secular assumptions into government and law. There can be common cause with many of Theonomy's protests. He also writes, There's much to appreciate in the criticism that jettisoning scriptural authority will cause society to degenerate into moral anarchy. When man rejects God's word, man will put himself in God's place. Walker rightly states that theonomy believes that civil law should follow the example of Israel's civil and judicial laws. Whereas many people say that theonomy is just trying to turn nations today into Old Testament Israel. I like that he used the phrase follow the example, implying good and necessary consequence, the spirit of the law, and general equity. Or at least that is what I believed or at least hoped he was implying which is more fair than many critics of theonomy have been. Unfortunately, the rest of the article proves that my assuming the best there was assuming too much. Walker also recognizes at one point in his article that theonomists make a separation between church and state. While he does not explain the three spheres of sovereignty, family, church, and state, which I released an episode on a bit over a year ago if you have not listened to it, he does not, at this point in the article, say that theonomists believe that the church runs the state or anything like that, which we are sometimes accused of. Walker writes, Though the jurisdictions of church and government remain separate in theonomy, both are under God's authority for civil magistrates, which is enclosed in the Old Testament. Although, unfortunately, shortly afterwards, Walker states that theonomy blurs church-state relationships. So, after he made a decent point to try to correctly explain theonomy, when I got to his criticisms, he reneged on uh, that and went back to common tropes that are inaccurate. Then a bit later in the article, it got worse as he brings up the sacralism and ecclesiocracy of medieval Europe like it's an argument against theonomy. He, in one paragraph, tries to say that medieval Europe wasn't that theonomic. Then a few paragraphs later, hoping you will not notice, implies that the excesses of medieval Europe were theonomic and it is what theonomists today want to get back to. While I was happy at first when it seemed that Walker would not bring up this really bad argument that keeps being made no matter how many times it's proven false and how dumb it makes those look who promote it, he seems happy to use the very arguments he earlier in the article admitted are incorrect. That is bad faith. This article is bad faith. Honestly, a lot of what the Gospel Coalition does is bad faith, including their supposedly good faith debates. Andrew T. Walker claims that there are really good criticisms of, the, criticisms of theonomy. He does not bring up good arguments against theonomy. As we look at the rest of the article in this episode, you will see a lot of straw man and points that are more insults than they are actual arguments. 
But as you listen to me and read the article for yourself, you do not really see any real arguments against theonomy itself. Basically just a, trust me guys, there are some criticisms out there so good that no one should ever be a theonomist after reading them. I won't link you to any of them for you to read for yourself, but just trust me here. Theonomy has some good criticisms that I'm not telling you about. His exact words are, There are serious criticisms of the movement, criticisms so severe that theonomy should be repudiated as an evangelical framework for understanding the mission of the church and the relationship between civil and sacred, eternal authority and spiritual authority. Part of this quote is pulled out and put in big words on the side with links to post it to Facebook or tweet it out on Twitter. But what are those criticisms? Walker writes, The laws God laid down with Israel were meant to enforce and protect the exclusivity of that relationship. Israel thus played a singular role that other nations aren't called to replicate down to the level of their judicial laws. Well, no. No theonomist I know of thinks we need to make all nations today exactly like Israel. But we have to deal with Psalm 2, which is not referenced at all in this article. I did control F Psalm 2 just to see if, you know, maybe I missed it or something and it came up with zero hits. And Psalm 2 speaks of nations that disobey God being judged by Christ and the necessity of repentance and submission to King Jesus. Walker states that theonomists downplay the fact that the moral law existed before the Ten Commandments were given. Like many of the points he made in this article, he does not justify this. He just states it and wants his reader to accept it as truth and good faith in Walker, without support for his claims about theonomy and theonomists. No, Mr. Walker. Theonomists emphasize the point that the morality revealed in the Torah reflects the, immora- the morality of the immutable unchanging God, and therefore those morals are true and unchanging from before the Ten Commandments were given, even to eternity past before creation, and onward to today and into eternity future, because they reflect God himself, who is eternal and immutable. So, Walker basically takes one of our arguments in favor of theonomy, ignores the argument, since I did not see any in the interaction within the article, and uses half of the argument against theonomy with a straw man where he claimed we downplay something that, in my experience, theonomists emphasize, not downplay. Walker believes that instead of theonomy, we should institute natural law, although he does not really explain what natural law means in detail and what that would look like. I'm still waiting on an explanation of that from any natural law proponent because thus far, whenever I, you know, try to talk to someone or read what someone's saying about it, they don't really explain it or say what it would look like. They just talk about how great it is. I don't know exactly what it is they're talking about, how great it is, but whatever it is they're talking about, it's really great, guys, and we should follow it. Just after this, Walker writes, The Ten Commandments remain relevant today, especially considering that the New Testament affirms nine of them. To Mr. Walker, I want to say thank you for affirming theonomy, because that is exactly what I believe as a theonomist and why I am one. 
of course he inconsistently does not affirm theonomy i just want to throw that jab in there andrew t walker writes theonomy is fundamentally a theology of glory yes i agree theonomy is a theology of the glory of god walker then gets into some arguments that honestly they're dumb and might stick to an Arminian theonomist, but even then I'm not sure, but would never work on a Calvinist theonomist. I don't really want to go over them so I can focus on all the other stuff, but he basically says that theonomy believes that the church is solely responsible for the success of Christianity in the world, whereas every Calvinist, and I assume Mr. Walker is one, knows that God ordains the ends and the means and we are faithful to obey what he commands us to do and trust the ends to him. Apparently, according to Mr. Walker, theonomists see any time a culture is not explicitly Christian as failure and defeat, and that leads us to despair, and he implied that we lack embrace of the cross of Christ. I'm sorry, but... Theonomists and postmills are the ones talking about death and resurrection stories throughout church history and how that reflects the cross. We are the ones talking about this. Yet Walker wants to pretend that his big Eva friends are the ones talking about this while theonomists are the ones avoiding it. Once again, inverting reality in this article. Seriously, it is getting kind of hard to not get mad about how bad his arguments are. Like, try to learn some stuff about the position you are attacking before writing an article on it on a popular website. Is that too much to ask? The way people who disagree with theonomy tend to go about their critiques, it does seem to be too much to ask from most of them. Here's another really bad argument Walker makes. And if theonomy is right and history is working towards the telos of a Christianized society, why does precisely the opposite seem to be the case? So the world is getting worse as far as Christianity is concerned, and that somehow proves theonomy wrong? First, I think theonomists who are not post-mill would have serious concerns with this being considered an argument against theonomy. Second, Mr. Walker, stop ignoring history and look at history from a vantage point larger than a couple centuries. If the influence of Christianity in the world is really getting worse, then tell me how it is worse right now than it was when the apostles were alive. Forget Hungary and Zambia and other countries like that and just look at the United States. Even in our current horrendous state, we are still more Christian as a nation than the Roman Empire was when the last of the New Testament books were being written. President Biden might be an anti-Christian man with dementia, seeking to attack what God loves and love what God hates. But he is not lighting Christians on fire and dressing up as an animal to bite off the genitals of Christians. He even claims some degree of Christian morality, though he spurns the name of Christ. For all the evil in our situation right now, you cannot in any way argue that it is worse than things were when, Christian, when Christianity started, or for the first few centuries afterwards, 
or how things were throughout church history when missionaries reached a pagan tribe with the gospel, and in a matter of decades, that society was thoroughly Christianized instead of cannibals or whatever they were when the first missionary took his first footstep on their land. Cultures across the world are not getting worse, but better. But it is not a straight, perfect ascent. It looks more like a stock market with ups and downs, but a general trend upward. Honestly, has Walker never heard anyone say that before? Or does he know this response, but he is using arguments he knows are bad in order to poison the well against those he disagrees with, saying they believe things he knows they do not in order to keep others from joining their ranks? After that, and I need y'all to know that Walker really does say this, what I'm about to say sounds like it should be an over-exaggerated joke about the types of arguments that people use against the enemy, rather than an actual argument that someone as well known as Andrew T. Walker would, ta- would say. Under the heading, Theonomy Cannot Build a Just Society, Walker writes, Rejecting theonomy does not discount the fact that Rightly ordered secular laws can overlap with divine laws. So using God's word as our standard for society will never produce a just society, but secular law can produce a just society, as long as they have some overlap with the natural law that Walker refuses to define in the article. How much is some there? I don't know. More than nothing and less than all. Some level of overlap in God rejecting secular law with natural law is able to produce a just society, but God's law as the guiding force and principle behind a culture and its laws will not produce a just society because let me remind you, it was under the heading titled, Theonomy Cannot Build a Just Society. Honestly, It is almost hard to believe that a Christian said what Walker says here. Walker says that God's word is supreme over everything except the government, because if we make it supreme there, that is theonomy and that is unjust. So instead we need a secular law with some overlap with natural law in order to have a just society. Whereas theonomists believe that scripture is sufficient to guide nations today, on how to have just and righteous laws, Walker believes that this goes beyond the bounds of biblical sufficiency. He writes, In a well-intentioned effort to protect biblical sufficiency, theonomy stretches the concept beyond biblical recognition. So I guess that believing the Bible is sufficient for politics as well, not just, you know, religious stuff, makes me deny sufficiency by taking it too far. In the paragraphs immediately following that one, Walker states that if a nation saw a great awakening and became predominantly Christian, even in that scenario, theonomy would not be the answer. If a nation saw a broad revival and the majority of its citizens were believers, I think it is only natural that those believers would want the laws of their nation in keeping with God's word especially where God has given guiding principles in the Old Testament, though we would look at all 66 books, not just a handful of them. That is what I believe. But Andrew T. Walker would disagree with me there, 
he calls that political hegemony. I paused there so that could sink in. Walker really used the words political hegemony. To be fair to Walker, he is calling his straw man of theonomy that he sets up in the article political hegemony, one where believers are more concerned with political activism than the cross and the gospel, and one that Satan is content with. He really did say that last part. I am not making this up. I am not strawmanning Walker here. Look at his exact words, or listen to them rather. We are not discipling nations for the sake of political hegemony. Satan would be content with a moral nation animated by the values of civil religion if those values eclipse the scandal of the cross. We are discipling nations to glorify Christ and to see obedience in every domain of life. Yes, that includes those who occupy government. But just government is not the object of our mission. It is a byproduct of transformed consciences adhering to natural law, not submitting to the Mosaic law. This is so frustrating because that is just such a lie, such a violation of the Ninth Commandment. What theonomist ignores the gospel to focus on the civil magistrate? Let me know so I can go correct him because he is not representing us well in doing that. I literally have one day a week on Theonomony's social media where I don't post on things unless they're related to the Great Commission. I've accidentally posted on something else on that day and they remembered, oh, it's Tuesday. It's hashtag Evangelism Tuesday. I gotta delete that post and post it again tomorrow. This is just so frustrating. And then Walker has the gall to say that discipling nations includes seeing obedience in every sphere of life, including the government. Like, hello, that's literally what theonomists say. You write this whole article saying it is bad when theonomists do that, but good when you do it. Do you see the double standard? Honestly, the further I get into this article, the more gall Walker seems to have. Right after saying... Uh, all that he says that theonomists take our position because we see the perverse American culture and we want an easy adhesive to fix America's mess, one that starts with installing parapets around the roof. Okay, Walker, how about actual arguments instead of insults pretending to be arguments? Can we get an argument that's not an ad hominem? Is that too much to ask from you? But Walker decides that his insults instead of arguments approach not go far enough. And in the very next paragraph after that, he says that theonomy promotes a form of welfare assistance and statism. I want to respond, but honestly, an argument that bad, that childish, that ignorant is not worthy of a response. If you think that was a good point about theonomy, I want to ask you to go study what people who teach it actually say, not guys like Walker with an agenda to get across, and he will use any means necessary to get there. And please do not talk about theonomy until you are actually somewhat familiar with it. In the final paragraph of the article, Walker says this, The dispute is over how those concepts are applied in, the, in this redemptive historical era. I agree. Let's debate that instead of throwing insults at each other. 
Your article does not address this divide. You just attack theonomy on groundless points and straw man claims, acting all big and mighty and like you are David who just defeated the theonomy Goliath. And if you're thinking that my saying that was hypocritical because I did not go into that in this episode, well, this episode was a response to Walker's article. If he went into that, then I couldn't have gone into it in my own response. Since he did not, if I did that in this episode, that would be going away from the main point of this one. So that topic is better left to other episodes where it fits better with the thrust of that episode. Listen, guys, even if you disagree with theonomy, please do not act like Andrew T. Walker did in this article. For the good of both sides and for the sake of your Christian maturity. All right, that was this week's episode of Theonomy. Money. I'm going to go pray for Andrew T. Walker because responding to this was so frustrating, I need to make sure my conscience is clean concerning my attitude towards him. And if you are frustrated with the man and not merely his arguments while listening to this episode, as I'm sure some people will be because his arguments were so frustrating, then I would con- encourage you to consider doing the same. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace, friends. Satisfies me, your law is sweet, oh you.